Greetings from California and the Grace Baptist Church, which is the mission of the Joshua Baptist Church. And I was utterly impressed. They had about 60 folks there. The church is three months old. They have a building, a beautiful building. Uh, they have people saved, people waiting to be baptized. Had about 10 out soul winning on Sunday, Saturday. And uh, boy, I'm so glad we are instrumental in starting churches all over the country. Amen. And that's wonderful. We have two uh, backsliders from our church down in Marble Falls here today. I guess they just... Uh, You know, they kind of like, you know, sheep. They need to be fed occasionally. So uh, they dropped in to see us today. In your Bible, the book of John, chapter 14 now, for about the 10th week. We're preaching a series of messages through the book of John entitled and themed, Why Christianity is Special. And boy, if you read the book of John, you'll see time and time again why Christianity abounds far above the claims of any other, any other religion or sect or faith or belief. Christianity is special because Christ is not still dead. He is alive and is alive forevermore. I praise God for that. Amen. Christianity is special because John chapter 14, in my father's house are many mansions. Some folks are looking for 70 virgins on an island all of their own when they can't handle the one they got now. Islam is looking for an island with 70 virgins on it. When they preach abstinence today. Would you explain that to me? They preach morality, but in heaven they're going to practice immorality. I'm so glad Christianity is is consistent and special. I want to read for you just a few verses to Set the context, if you would please. Everybody has not been here all through this. The Lord Jesus is meeting with his disciples at what is known as the Last Supper. Twelve hours, approximately twelve hours from the reading or the writing of the text. Our Lord is going to be hung on a cruel cross. He's going to be blasphemed, persecuted, beaten, ridiculed, and shamed, if you please. Twelve hours before he's to get on the cross and pay for mine and your sins, the text is written. He's meeting with his disciples for the last time. He tells them he's leaving in chapter 13 and verse 33. He tells him in verse 33, he says, little children, isn't that precious? He didn't say, hey, you bunch of dudes. He did not say, you hard-hearted fishermen. 
Our Lord looked at his 11 disciples and said, My little children, yet a little while and I'm with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, and I said unto the Jews, whether I go, ye cannot come, so now I say unto you. So he tells them that he's leaving. Chapter 14 and verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Here's what I want to tell you. Because I go unto my Father. For 33 or for three and a half years, the disciples, these 11 fellows, of course Judas is hanging around out back someplace. Don't take you long, does it? Amen. Amen. Now, you've got to liven up a little bit because I'm not going to put up this. If you act that dead, we're just going to close service, have a funeral service. We'll bury it and we'll all go home and watch television. <laughs> all right? So Jesus is hanging around out back, but he's talking to 11 disciples. And he's talking to these fellows. And for three and a half years, they've known nothing but the presence of our Lord. Everywhere they've gone, he's been with them. Everything that he's done, they've witnessed. When they had a need, if it was hunger, he turned the few fishes and loaves into enough to feed 5,000. If they needed water, he supplied water. If someone needed wine, he supplied the wine. They have not had one need that he has met, not met, for three and a half years. They have become like Social Security, kind of dependent on it. And so now our Lord has said to them, I'm going to leave. Naturally, there is bewilderment. There is frustration. I would imagine there's some doubt because here's the one who's supposed to reign on the throne of David, set up the millennial reign, free Israel from bondage of Rome, and now he's going to die. Their hopes, like glass castles, has crumbled at their feet, and everything they've worked for and ministered for and done for three and a half years is now gone. Despair has gripped them like a funeral dirge. Like a grieving widow, a grieving mother, a grieving father, at the funeral of a loved one, they are troubled, discouraged, let down, and afraid. And lost with no direction. Because he's leaving. And he says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Are you glad of that? Well, that sounds good. You know, that's like Jim hitting me in the face and my nose is spread all over my face and blood's running down my cheek. 
And he said, now don't let that hurt. I need a hurt reliever. I need something to readjust my nose on my face. Jesus said to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He tries to assure them and tries to cheer them up. In my Father's house are many mansions. But they're in an upper room, not a mansion. Words are cheap sometimes. People come to me and their family's falling apart. And they come to me for solutions. And all I can say is I'll pray for you. Well, that don't do a whole lot. Because hearts are still broken. Scars are still applied to the heart and life of an individual. Memories are still there. And Jesus looked at the bewildered disciples and said, look, don't worry. In my father's house are many mansions. I don't think that message was enough to give them the peace that they need that everything's going to be all right. When in your life you run up to a situation and that situation is a spiritual stump, if you please. You're progressing along and bang, all of a sudden your wife says, I don't love you anymore. And I say to you, I love you. In my father's house are many mansions. You say, so what? I preach every week and you come and you're hurt and you're bewildered and you're fearful and you're, 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 you're broke and you're overdrawn and, and you're jobless and your wife just left or your husband just left and the kids won't mind and I come and preach the word of God to you and you say, so what? Words are cheap. The Father's house, many mansions, still bewildered. Jesus said, well, I guess you need something else. Verse 16. I guess Jesus thought they needed something else. Now, come on, some of you guys liven up a little bit. I've been preaching to you for years and it hadn't worked. <laughs> I've been preaching to you and you've been saying amen for 20 some years and you just get up, go out, live like you did, come back, miserable as you were when I preached to you the last time. You're just as broke as you were last week. You're just as miserable as you were last week. There's no more victory in your life than there were last week. You're going to be unfaithful like you were last week. You're going to stay in your same boat you were last week. Even though it's leaking, it's sinking, and you don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you need something else. Maybe words are not enough. Jesus must have seen those disciples needed 
something else. Let me ask you a question, Dave, before I read the text. Don't raise your hand now. It's not time to go to the bathroom. From the looks of your faces, you need something else. You say, well, it's going okay. Yeah, but you need something else. You say, we're not going to get a divorce. We're just going to hang in there. No, what you need is something else to make your marriage a heaven on earth. Now, some of you kids, so I'm going to go get a college education. You need something else. You say, I'm going to get married to the first dude that comes along. You need some brains. If he's got cowboy spurs on and can say you all just right, I'll marry him. You need something else. Jesus said to the bewildered, faithful followers. Well, I told you about the Father's house. I told you about mansions. But from the looks of your face, you need something else. So, I will pray Verse 16, I will pray the Father. I will ask the Father. I will invade into the Father's will. I will uh, beg, I will plead, I will supplicate for you guys because you guys look like you need something else. And I will pray the Father... And he shall send you another comforter. That he, not it, that he may abide with you. Now don't get excited and start shouting because this is a Baptist church. For ever. Wow. Now I know some of you baby boomers are too helped to say amen. But wow would be all right. The contemporary folk don't say amen. They clap their hands. That's the time to clap your hands. Right there. If that is not greatness Beyond description, I don't know what it is. To a bewildered, confused, duressed, fearful bunch of folk, Jesus said, I believe you need something else. So I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to send you Another comforter. Watch the word another. He did not just say a comforter. The Greek word is elion. It means another of the same kind. Not another of a different kind. If I am drinking a Pepsi and I tell Andrew... Go get me another drink. And he brings me a Coca-Cola. 
That is not a peleon. That is another of a different kind. But Jesus said, now I have been with you for three and a half years. You become dependent upon me. So I am going to pray to the Father because I love you and because I have purpose for you and because I want you to be able to accomplish that purpose. I am going to pray to the Father and he will send another one just like me. He's going to send another one. Whoa, if you have glasses, you can't do that. You've got to kind of watch what you do. That's the advantage of not having false teeth, by the way. (laughs) Get this down. This is so great. This this is so marvelous. This is so wonderful. This This is what keeps us keeping on. This is what keeps our light shining. This is what keeps our, our, our jump and our step. This is what keeps uh, the smile on our face when troubles and turbulence come our way. I am going to send you another just like me. But now he will be with you forever. Dear Lord, even if you're not saved, you ought to shout about that. Amen. You say, preacher, you're getting too old for this. I realize that. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. The world can't receive anything they can't see. Sin is believing in a materialistic society. Sin is believing. You looking at a rich man. The world says, show me. I said, it can't. But the spiritual man said, yes, you're going to walk on the streets of gold. Live in a mansion built by the master carpenter himself. Situated down the streets of glory. Crowned with a rainbow. Rich. Well, I can't see it. I don't believe it. That's what Jesus said. They can't believe it because they can't see it. You can't see a spirit. But it's still another area of existence. Another sphere of existence. Well, I just can't see it. Well, if you could, it'd scare you to death, probably. (laughs) Neither knoweth him, the Bible said, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, Greek word, orphanous, from which we get our word orphan. And Jesus said, I won't leave you like little helpless orphans with no one to take care and no one to provide. I'm going to send another 
provider, another sustainer, another. But this one is not going to be only with you. This one is going to be in you. I wonder if Confucius can say that. I wonder if Buddha's crowd can say that. You see, Christianity is kind of special. The Bible goes on to say, yet a little while. You got it there in your Bible? Yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. In other words, when the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter of God, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, you now have His life. And you too will live forever. Because I live, ye shall live also. You said, preacher, when are you going to start preaching? I'm not going to. I, I didn't have time to study. Verse 21. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is it that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved to my father, and I will love him And will manifest myself to him. Wow. Judah said unto them, Not Iscariot. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us? And not unto the world. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him. Notice the we now. We, me and the Father, me and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sins, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Boy, that scares a lot of contemporary Christians. Don't Holy Spirit sound so much more signified, dignified, and uh, 21st century Holy Spirit? I love the term Holy Ghost. <laughs> I just love to preach about the Holy Ghost. You know, uh, the Holy Ghost is sent for a reason. Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, I know you guys are bewildered, and I know the words wasn't enough. I know the Father's house wasn't enough. I know... Mansion's not enough. So I sent the comforter to do one thing. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth 
give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Wow, is that good or what? You have heard how I said unto you, I go away, come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Now, I've told you before, it came to pass that when it has come to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father give me commandment, even so do, soon I do. Arise, let us go hence. Holy Ghost. Some folks use that word holy kind of loose. You ever know that? I mean, no disrespect, but holy moly. Have you ever seen a moly that was holy? Have you ever seen a moly? Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost is not. The Holy Ghost is not an it. Have you got it? Have you received it? Have you seen it? Have you witnessed it? No, I haven't. Because in the Bible, personality and personification... And every instance you refer to the Holy Spirit of God, personal pronouns are attributed to He, Him. Never Shem, never She, never it. He is a masculine personality in the Bible. Second thing, He's not. He's not the force in Hollywood Star Wars. I said he is not the force in Hollywood Star Wars. Hollywood don't have it. They have never got it. They will never have it. And everything they have is a counterfeit. And I say to you, the Bible presents the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost of God and the Comforter of God as an individual, as a personality, as a person, a third person of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. If you find anybody who does not believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you've just walked face to face with a cult. To deny that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit is not one. You say, explain that. I'd be better off explaining how to make banana pudding and I don't know how to do that. I just believe it because the Bible says it here in the text. I and the father and one, we will send the comforter. There's the three persons of the Godhead. And so I I just believe that, uh, uh, that he is not uh, uh, an it. Third thing I'd like to tell you about the Holy Spirit. He does not make you act like an idiot. If you read your Bible now, please, I know you've been watching television. That's all right. But I would suggest you that you watch maybe something like uh, the swamp people. (laughs) Or duck commanders. That's real. 
But don't watch Christian radio stations and TV stations that tells you that the evidence of the Holy Spirit of God is you barking like a dog. Or laughing uh, unreserved and unrestrained. Or acting stupid. Bless your heart. There is no place in the Word of God where the Holy Spirit of God came up on anybody and they barked like a dog. Now that's good television, I suppose. And it's good uh, political, uh, ecclesiastical uh, advertisement. But it's just not Bible. The Holy Ghost does not make you act like an idiot. Most Baptists don't need the Holy Ghost to do that. Especially me. I can act like an idiot without the help of the Holy Ghost. In fact, I need the Holy Ghost to keep me from acting like an idiot. You know, sometimes a 72-year-old man that has the idea that he's going to whoop somebody, he needs the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes when somebody down in traffic starts waving the, the only candle they have on their cake at me through the window and they portray it with sign language, I kind of feel like reaching on the seat and shooting them. And the Holy Ghost said, no, don't do that. (laughs) See, the Holy Spirit is to keep us from acting like an idiot. Does not make us act idiotic. The Holy Spirit of God is manifest to the edification, to the building up of teaching, of, 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 of allowing the truths of God to be applied to our heart. And He takes what the Bible says and the words of Jesus and applies them to our heart and makes us what God wants us to be. You see, and may I say to you that the Holy Spirit has not all of a sudden come into existence in John chapter 14. Because in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, you see the first recording of the Holy Spirit of God. Huh? And the Spirit brooded over creation. God the Father says, I think we better create something. Jesus said, I think we will. And Jesus said, Holy Spirit, do it. And the Holy Spirit brooded over creation morn. And the Bible says he hovered and he brooded over it and spoke and it came into existence. The Holy Spirit of God is not something new. It's found in the Old Testament. But all of a sudden we come into the New Testament and the Holy Spirit takes on a different ministry, a different dispensation. In the Old Testament, he guided. In the Old Testament, he endured. In the Old Testament, he he made possible. But now in the New Testament, He's going to come in and dwell the child of God. He could indwell in the Old Testament, but he did not stay there because David said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So the Holy Spirit came and left as he had will and had, 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 uh, had choice. But in the New Testament, a promise from Almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall be in you, with you forever. Since I've been saved, I've never gone any place by myself. 
Now I've gone to places I wish I hadn't have taken him. I've listened to things that I, I, I know must have embarrassed him. I partook of things uh, out of the flesh in the weakness of the moment. I've done things and partaken of things that, oh, I was so sorry I did after I did. But may I say to you, how can you read a greater verse than verse 20 of chapter 14? Uh, you know, you could just preach and preach and preach. And you can never magnify this wonderful verse. Verse 20, Jesus told his disciples and us, At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Wow. Wow. Jesus and the Father is one. How do you do that? For the finite man to understand that is impossible. I and the Father are one. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm an uncle. Not an aunt. I'm a preacher. Not a very good one. But I'm one. You understand that? Your wife, your mother, your daughter, but you're one. Miles, I can't understand that. Wake up. I and the Father are one. Wow. I am in my Father and Ye in me. So if I'm in Christ and Christ is in the Father, where does that leave me? In the Father. All, all of us are in one. And I in you. You say you needed some help? Words not enough. You got all the help you need. He's been there all the time. Oh, spread the tidings round. Wherever man is found. Wherever human hearts and human woes abound. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound. The comforter. Is come. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven. The Father's promise given. Oh spread the tiny drowned. Wherever man is found. The comforter is come. You've been looking for help. It's been there all the time. 
Asking a preacher to pray for you when you have the comforter, the Holy Ghost, the God, the creator of earth's morn. Been in your heart all the time if you've been saved. Treating him like extra baggage. You given the orders and know nothing about where you're going and he who has the wisdom and the foreknowledge and the power to direct your steps and you've been calling shots all along. No wonder your life is a mess. Just call me Iman, spell my last name, M-E-S-S. Well, I don't know what's wrong with my home. You're calling the shots. You're doing your own thing. You're bouncing your own ball, pedaling your own bicycle. And I don't know what in the world's wrong. Hey, look, you need to shut up, sit down, and let him call the shots. You say, I don't like that preaching. Don't remember asking you. Don't remember calling you last night and saying, oh, Holy Spirit, would you please tell me what to preach tomorrow morning? Oh, no other religion can say this. Would you please, just a minute, allow me to introduce to you. Child of God, your daily companion. Could I please introduce to you the occupant at your dinner table? Every time you sit down, when you graze and 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 say, where's just my body? No, it is not. You are bought with a price. Glorify God, therefore, in your mind and in your spirit, in your body, which are God's. You say one beer won't hurt anybody. Ask Jesus. Because it's his tabernacle. Would you allow me for just a minute now, for about two or three minutes, because the clock on the deal says it's 11-12. I'd like to introduce to you this morning the Holy Ghost of God. Not the one on television. Not the one on Star Wars, but the one in the Bible. Descriptive terms, Holy Ghost. Emphasis is not on the ghost, but on holy. Don't ever attribute anything off-colored to the Spirit of God. Because He is not a bad ghost. He is not a almost bad ghost. He is the holy ghost. Separated from sin. Purity to no end. Holy. Kind and gracious and good. Holy ghost. Why is it getting quiet? Well, I just feel God lead. Really? If it's not holy, God is not leading. 
Well, I just feel that God opened this job for me. If it violates holy, God didn't lead you there. Well, I just feel that she's the one because of her measurements. Holy does not measure. If some of you would quit measuring. Of course, now there's nothing wrong with looking good. I've never seen a barn not painted look better than one that's painted. Nothing wrong with looking good. Nothing wrong with being healthy. But God does not lead you into a relationship that is not going to be a holy relationship. You don't go to the bar to find a holy. You get a holy moly at the bar. I don't know how you handle moly, but you'll have to handle a moly if you don't get it at the right place. The emphasis is on holy ghost. And it says the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error, not the spirit of adjustment. Bless your heart. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. I am going away, but I'm going to send you another just like me who is also the truth because he and I are one. Christians ought not to lie. The Holy Spirit does not lead you to exaggerate. I asked some of you ladies how much you weigh. Ask some of you men how long you prayed. It, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, is holy and He's truth. You tell somebody you're going to pay them something, you ought to pay them. You tell somebody you're going to do something, you ought to do it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of truth is in your heart. Not only is he the Holy Spirit, of, he's the Holy Truth, he's the Holy Messenger, he is the Holy Peace Giver. Oh, not as the world give you peace, but I give you peace that lasts forever. Peace that when the seas are falling in, you still have peace unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, when the doctor says you have cancer, You can still have peace because of the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, who gives peace only as God can give it. And you say, preacher, how does God give it? Now listen, now listen, please, just listen. Don't get it, don't get anything else, get this. And him will I keep in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in him is everlasting strength. Peace. When there's no money in the bank account, peace. When she burns your dinner, peace. Huh? Mandy and I flew to California last week. We have reservations. We have boarding passes all the way to Palm Springs. We get off the plane in Phoenix. There's a two-hour delay. 
We sat there. Everybody's eating pizza. I thought we might as well enjoy also. So we bought a pizza. We ate pizza. We went to the counter to board the plane. When we walked onto the plane, the man said, you need to talk to the account, to the, to the clerk. We went over there and she said, you've been bumped. I said, we've been what? You've been bumped. You are now on standby. I said, was my money standby money? Did my money bump? Did my American Express bump? And they just stand there. And all they can say is, I'm sorry. They don't have to say that too many times until you realize they are sorry. Now, there's a spirit in me right about now. That is a far distance from holy. And Mandy is worse. I've got a hold of Mandy's hand, keeping her from yanking that pitiful looking little girl across that counter. And I said to myself, well, what's the next flight? Two o'clock, but it's full. When's the next one? Five o'clock and there's one seat and you're on standby. I said, when's the next one? He said, eight o'clock tonight. And when you started talking, there were seats, but now it's full. (laughs) Now, I want to ask you something. Where would your spirit be right about then? Hmm? I said, you ain't going to believe this, but calmly. You're not going to believe this, but Christian. I said, well, we'll just rent a car in Phoenix and drive to Palm Springs. Which is just another $300. And six hours down the road. Now, there could have been two spirits show up there. My spirit or God's spirit. And it wouldn't have made a bit of difference in the car I bought <laughs> if my spirit had showed up. So at least I left in that lady's mind a good taste of holy spirit. But now when we got to the airport to pick up the luggage that they lost that we did not get for two days. And I confirmed the reservations back on Tuesday. She said, we have canceled your reservations. Now the spirit began to work again. I looked at her and I said, ma'am, what is your name? She said, Lupe. I said, Lupe, I'm a Christian, but I want to tell you something. I know some men in Chicago in striped suits. And now that I know your name, if you don't do the best you can, I'm making a phone call as soon as I get out in the parking lot to those folks in Chicago. She went and made a phone call and said, Preacher, we have your reservations all fixed up. <laughs> Holy. Does that once in a while does somebody push you out of the realm of holiness? 
of godliness. Holy Spirit. The song is true. The comforter has come. And I'm glad he has. And to those disciples, Jesus realized that words wasn't enough. And so he said they need something else. Someone sends you another just like me. And so the comforter came to those disciples to comfort them. But I'm so glad today in closing that to the fearful who's among us today. Fearful, fearful concerning, concerning the economy. Fearful concerning a relationship. Fearful concerning whatever. But we got more than words for you today. The comforter has come. To the fearful, to the discouraged. You ever get discouraged? You know what our staff gets discouraged of? People lying to them about their relationship with God and about coming to church and about serving. And to our disciples and to our staff today, I want you to know we've got more than words. We've got the blessed Holy Spirit, comforter of God in our heart that goes with us wherever we go. To the homeless, the comforter has come. To the disobedient and the discouraged, the comforter has come. I'm so glad of that. To the addicted, and boy, are we living in an addicted society. Is that right? Those who are addicted to food cuss those who are addicted to alcohol. Those who are addicted to alcohol cuss those because all those addicted to food are eating all the food. (laughs) Amen. Uh, It's so easy to point our finger at those folks that are addicted to things not as holy as a cell phone or a computer screen or visuals, if you please. I don't know why it is. Whatever you're dealing with today, I want you to know I've got more than words for you. The Holy Ghost of God, the Comforter of God, the Creator on early morning in creation. I mean, the one that Micah said, I am full of power by the Holy Ghost. He's here. The Comforter. Is come. Oh, spread the tidings round. The comforter is come. How long has it been since you tried to help someone that was struggling with life's situations? You reminded them of John 14. And you left them with more than just words. Well, I'll pray for you. That's kind of empty, to tell you the truth. Preach, I'm broke and can't pay my bills. Well, I'll pay, pray for you. I'll tell you what's the truth. Won't you just give me some money? I can pray for myself. Word's kind of empty. I'm going to pray about serving God. Oh, why don't you just shut up and tell God you ain't going to ever serve him. It's not a matter of getting around to it. It's a matter of mindset. But I'm here to tell you, I'm so glad today that Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And if that's not enough for you, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send you the comforter. 
who shall be in you and with you always. He will teach you. He will give you peace that passeth all understanding. He will empower you. And Jesus said, now you'll realize this pretty soon. And when it happens, you'll remember it. And it wasn't but about 50 days later that these same disciples gathered at Pentecost. And the Bible say when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the place where they were seated. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit descends. Acts chapter 3 through 28, and the disciples depart. If you need help today, let me recommend the Holy Ghost. You say, preacher, I, I don't know anything about it. Well, you know the Holy Spirit of God convicts people of their sin, according to John chapter 16 and verse 7. i got three minutes. Let me read it for you. John 16 and verse number 7. It said, nevertheless, I tell you, Jesus is speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. It's necessary. It's absolutely necessary that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, he, I will send him unto you. And when he comes, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Another word for reprove is convict. The Holy Spirit of God takes the word of God and applies it to the heart of men and women, boys and girls. And he convicts them of the ugliness and the unfruitfulness and the dead-endedness of S-I-N. He convicts. He reproves. We reason it out and he said, whoa, wait a minute. Any of you ever reason out what you're doing? And keep on doing it? Well, that means the Holy Spirit is not present. Holy Spirit has come to reprove us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. We don't like to hear of judgment anymore. Right? We don't judge our kids for doing anything wrong. We let Dr. Spock do that. And now they're a bunch of rugrats. but convicts I close with this years ago I preached in the rescue mission and some of you I've told you this but it's unreal it's unreal how that the Holy Spirit will begin to work in a person's life in a service such as this and, and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit talks about heaven and talks about righteousness and talks about doing good and talks about a good relationship at home and good kids and so and the Holy Spirit is just trying to do that and then there's another spirit your spirit that says wait a minute wait just a stinking minute if I do that I'm not in charge anymore 
Why should I turn my life over to, to a spirit, to a Holy Ghost, to a comfort? Why should I do that? Uh, it's my life. Well, let me ask you something. How's it going since you're making decisions? How, how's it going? Are you eat up with happiness? Are you just filled with the peace that God can give you? Or is there turmoil, confusion, frustration? In a service like this, the Holy Spirit of God is here. He is. You know why? Because I asked him to come. And since I got here, he's here. And you know what he's doing? He's reproving. He's convicting. Hmm? You know what he's doing. You know what your spirit's saying? Your holy, your, your old Adamic spirit, your old lady. Hey, wait a minute. If I give in, I'm not in charge anymore. I was preaching years ago at Rescue Mission, and, and this actually happened. This is, of course, when I preach, I try to tell you the truth. People come to me, and after I get through preaching, I said, was that the truth? <laughs> Dear God, this is not a comedian show. I hope to God it's the truth. And I learned to preach in Rescue Mission. Drunks, derelicts, homeless, prostitutes pimps, you name it, sat there every time I preached. And I didn't know how to put a message together. I, knew no, I couldn't even spell homiletics. Didn't even know what it was. I'd just go find a track, and I'd preach the devil out of that track. And you say, well, did it work? Well, the guy said, there's more people saved at the rescue mission under my preaching as just a 26-year-old lad than anybody down there. But I was there every Saturday night. I was down there one Saturday night. And most generally, those homeless folks, uh, those derelicts, uh, they, they all look alike. But one night, there was a well-dressed individual in the service sit, second row back, had a group of chairs ganged together, tied together, folding chairs, but they were ganged together and tied together so that when you moved one, you moved all. Now, I preached not about the Holy Spirit. I preached the gospel. I preached about hell. I preached about heaven. I preached heaven sweet, heaven and hell hot for about 30 minutes or so. Uh, we didn't have great pianists back in those days and, and uh, didn't have invitation songs like we have today. We just said, now bow your heads, close your eyes, and go and get saved, come forward. The well-dressed man on the second row grabbed a hold of the row of pew chairs in front of him. He picked them plumb off the floor and slammed them and said, get away from me. I wasn't even nearby. If he could do that, there's another chapter in that book. I ain't going to be around. From the platform, 15, 20 feet away, I said, won't you come tonight and trust Christ? Come tonight, turn your life over to Christ. Again, he raised that row of pews and slammed it to the ground. Get away from me. Now, who do you think he was talking to? He said, he's an idiot. What are you saying? Right now, as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, behold, he said, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about your heart's door. Behold, 
I stand at the door and knock. You who are heavy laden, burdened, if you'll just open, I will come in. You who your life has fallen apart and you don't know what to do. Behold, he said, I stand at the door and knock. Now you tell me. You cannot deny he's knocking on your heart's door right now. Reproving you, convicting you of the sin that is in your life. And painting a picture of righteousness. And you realize the judgment of God is coming. And yet, get away from me. You say, that guy's an idiot. But we do it every Sunday. Every single Sunday we do it. And my Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. I wonder how many of us leaves the sanctuary on Sunday morning with the Holy Spirit of God grieved and wonder why our lives are like they are. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to bow our heads and pray. I'm not going back up. I'm going to stay down here. If you've never been saved, you cannot deny the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart right now. Says, let me in, let me in, let me in. And you're saying, not now, not now. Tomorrow, next day, 100 years from day, not now. The Bible said, behold, today is the day of salvation. Many of you have become cold and backslidden while reading the Bible. Having a daily devotion and doing faithfully our daily bread. You become cold and indifferent to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit of God is reproving you right now of your sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You need to come.